0: My guest this week has dedicated himself to being a student of the outdoors. So much so, he started a brand called The Hunting Student. I'm talking about Brandon Goodwin, and he is here on The Bryantland Show. Mountain, Georgia. This is the Bryant Land Show. Hosted by Proud Gamecock and South Carolinian AB3. All right everybody, welcome to the Bryant Land Show. Thank you for taking the time to make the download. Come in and listen to our podcast this week. As I said before the open, Brandon Goodwin is our guest, but before we get into my conversation with Brandon, I would like to send my condolences on the behalf of the Bryant Land Show to James Bub Jackson Jr., the family of James Bub Jackson Jr. I had the pleasure of meeting Mr. Jackson when I was in Nashville for the NWTF, National Wild Turkey Federation Convention, year before last. And it was a great experience just to sit and talk with him. If you don't know who he is, I suggest you go and Google and check him out. He is definitely a pioneer in the outdoor industry and an inspiration to a lot of us Young African Americans who want to make a mark in this outdoor industry. He was the first to have TV shows. He had spent his life in the industry, an extremely accomplished hunter, great man, great person. Like I said, I had a chance to talk to him and we just talked, you know, just general. Like I just walked up to him, introduced myself. And he definitely made time to have a conversation with me. Uh, As the saying goes, didn't know me from Adam. And just made the time to talk to me. So it was very uh, very sad to hear about his passing. Um, I was hoping to get a chance to talk to him more. Obviously, now I did not take advantage of that. And I, I hate that I didn't. But anyway... Like I said, sending my condolences to the family. He will definitely be missed. James Bub Jackson Jr. (laughs) Brandon Goodwin is the guest this week. We introduced you to Brandon last year, and when I talked to him last year, he was just getting started with his brand, The Hunting Student. He wanted to Create a place where new hunters could come, gain knowledge, gain information, and he himself could continue to learn about hunting in the outdoors. Well, since then, Brandon has had a banner year, very successful out in the field. We talk about that amongst a host of other things, a, a great time with Brandon coming through uh, shooting the breeze here on the Land Show, so... Without further ado, I'm going to fall back. Y'all kick back and listen to my conversation with Brandon Goodwin, the hunting student, here on the Bryant Land show. Bryant Land. Brandon, welcome back to the Bryant Land show, man. Thank you for taking the time to uh to come back through. I've been looking to uh catch up with you since the last time we talked. You've been real busy.
1: Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on, Adam. It's been uh it's been a lot has changed obviously since we last spoke. So it's been a, it's been a great adventure. I, I had a great twenty nineteen. Twenty twenty is a little bit different, but you know, it's uh just trying to roll with it and make the most of the opportunities that are coming my way and we've had some, some good fun in, in the meantime.
0: Yeah, I mean with everything that's going on, you know, now and going on out in the world and stuff, it's kinda of put a damper on some things this year. I know I had a hunt canceled. I was gonna to go to Texas and uh and hunt turkeys, you know, stuff with work has changed obviously. Have you did you have any like trips uh affected by all of this stuff or or any uh yeah. drastic plans change as far as like your hunting?
1: Oh, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. There was a, I had an invitation to go out and, uh, and do some crabbing with a, uh, with a buddy of mine. That was going to be a first for me. I had never done that. There was another, uh, someone on Instagram reached out to me, someone here locally, and they had a cancellation on a hog hunt that opened up a spot. And that was really, that happened right as things were getting serious with regard to the pandemic. So I was excited. I looked at it. I'm like, I told my wife, hey, I'll be out in the middle of nowhere, not near anybody (laughs) hug. This sounds like a great time for me to go, and she had other ideas, you know, a little concerned about me being out there and away from the family when things were so uncertain, so I wasn't able to take advantage of that opportunity, but yeah, you know, we're just trying to to be responsible and and take into account the fact that, you know, this is unknown territory. It's something that, you know, everybody's still trying to figure out, and uh, you know, we want to be act with wisdom, you know, not just uh not just act like everything's normal because obviously um a lot of people have been impacted by COVID nineteen and you know some some situations are worse than others. So far, you know, we've been we've been pretty blessed. So I'm grateful that everybody's safe and healthy.
0: Yeah, and it, it's funny because, you know, we as hunters when this thing, you know, kinda of started getting out of hand and, you know, trying to figure out, you know, what was what, we're still kinda of like, okay, well, if we're out in the woods away from everybody, then we should still be good. I mean, like, literally, it was up until the 23rd hour, I was trying to figure out how I could go to Texas. It's like, I know I can't fly, and then I was going to drive, which the drive would have been – it would have been long, but to me it would have been worth it. But then it was like, well, they had the borders closed coming from Louisiana, so you couldn't get through, like, Louisiana or whatever, and the guy that I was going – you know, out there to go uh, on the turkey hunt was like, well, you know, you can come through Oklahoma and still get in, and I'm just like, that's going to add another six hours to the trip driving. So, like, literally, I was trying to figure out how I could get away with it, how I could do it, but nah, it, it like you said, you got to be smart and be safe, and it, and it just wasn't worth it. And you know, the funny thing, I was talking to someone, and the best analogy. That I think I've heard about this whole thing, you know, like a couple of weeks ago, um, there was some data that was saying things were kind of like slacking off and actually showing like a turn to get better. And I was talking to a fellow. He was just like, yeah, but it's still like the first quarter, first inning Against an opponent that you don't know. And I was just like, you know what? That's a pretty good analogy. And of course then he went on and was like, remember twenty-eight to three, which if you live down here in Georgia and a Falcons fan, which oh. I which I am not, by the way. Oh. That t- <laughs> people find the most creative yeah, yeah. ways to bring up twenty-eight to three, which was what they had the oh. Patriots down to before they lost in the Super Bowl. And like I said, not obviously not making light of the situation but i thought that was no. like the most accurate analogy of how <laughs> to deal with this thing man so we'll see uh, you know
1: <laughs> that one hurts honestly because i am a falcons fan how I,
0: uh, how
1: so my grandmother's family is from tupelo island out there off the coast okay in georgia and so uh that kind of got me, you know, in, in, in talking to her, you know, I felt a connection with the area. Right. And when I was a kid, seeing Dion Sanders shut down half a football field, uh, it, man, I, I, I was enthralled. So I, I, I've been a Falcons fan for years and years and years. <laughs> uh, you know, lived, lived through the embarrassment of the 98 Super Bowl and losing to John Elway. And, man, as soon as you said 28-3, to three, man, that's uh, <laughs> how stabbed in my heart. I knew exactly
0: what you're talking about. And it's it's so funny because you can say 28 to 3 around here and everybody is you will just like lose their mind. Like I said, I'm not a Falcons fan by any stretch of the imagination. I just I I just never could get into it, but the creative ways that I have seen on like Facebook oh, yeah. and Instagram and stuff to get back to twenty eight to three. It's just like, okay, come on, guys, really? Like, it, <laughs> it, it's funny, but come on, let it go, man. Let it... <laughs> For a franchise that's only
1: been to two Super Bowls, that being the most recent experience, I it makes me sick, man. I stopped playing fantasy football after that. I I can't even pay attention to the NFL. <laughs> I mean, I. You so I'll, I'll peruse the news. That's about it. Right. But I'm still, I'm still shell-shocked.
0: Man. And then you had, I mean, you're in the Bay out there in California. So you kind of had to get swept up with the 49ers this year, right? No, man. I'm angry at Kyle Shanahan. I don't
1: even want to see that, dude.
0: Well, that's the same guy that helped you blue 28-3. So. Uh, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying.
1: When, when the 49ers, so... Still- when I first moved to Northern California from Southern California, the 49ers training camp was at the college here in town. And everybody was a 49ers bandwagon. I mean, it was just the most, it was like being in, in Ohio, right. With Ohio state. It's, it's that bad around here. Right. And I, I was, you know, I was a Falcons fan and there was just no tolerance. Like, you know, just feel like, you know, that, that chip on the shoulder for, you know, everybody always saying, well, oh, the Falcons are no good, the Falcons are no good, the Falcons are no good. And then coming up here to 49er country and seeing the greatness of Joe Montana and Jerry Rice and, you know, championship after championship, I have no love for the 49ers, none. <laughs> and so to see Kyle Shannon come up here and take his, you know, take the 49ers and, you know, hey, it's, it's, it's a hard pill for me to swallow, man. I – don't understand why he took the ball out of the running back's hands for one thing. The, the Falcons defense couldn't tackle to save their lives in that. I mean, you can't let Tom Brady take you apart like that under any circumstances. But they couldn't they couldn't tackle a, a sack of flour at that point in the game. It was just heartbreaking to watch. So well,
0: yeah. Well, that that's ego. That's all that is. That, that, that's <laughs> ego because you know yeah. the 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 common sense move, like you said, is to give the ball to the running back, run the clock, chew the clock. But the ego, because you're supposed to be a quote unquote passing guru, an offensive guru, yeah. the the ego says throw the ball. You know, it's like the 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 old like devil and angel on your shoulder. You know, the angel is just <laughs> like turn around and hand it off. And the devil's like, nah, man, we can chunk it. Let's go throw it. And then next thing you know, when you got a subpar quarterback, like Matty Icewater, and you end up blowing, uh, and, you know, a suspect lead and not, I mean, a suspect defense, not to mention you're going up against, you know, Tom, uh, Tom Brady, who I call Tom shady. I mean, it's, it's what it is, man.
1: No, it's true. It was, I mean, it's, it's, it was hard to watch. It's hard to hear. It is what it is. You know, I'm, I'm looking for that next that next iteration of, you know, what the Falcons can be. I mean, Arthur Blank, I think, is one of the best owners in the league, hands down. Um, he's, time and again, stood behind, you know, the team trying to make good moves, spending money where you need to spend it. But at the end of the day, you know, I think we're kind of, I think, you know, Matt Ryan might be, you know, on the decline. Uh, obviously, you know, uh, and post Super Bowl, he hasn't really performed with the same consistency that got them to that point. So, I think they're in a tough spot because, you know, mean, he's still a serviceable quarterback. You know, a lot of teams in the league would love to have someone at his caliber. But, you know, do the Falcons need to start looking at that next phase and, and, and you know, the turn the corner on the on that chapter of the of the franchise?
0: I mean, you got Ty Gurley and both of his bad knees. So I mean, they, you know, you got that. <laughs> <die. laughs> he hasn't even played yet. Yeah. <laughs> he hasn't even played. So
1: you got to roll over him
0: like that. Uh, I mean, I'm also a diehard uh, University of South Carolina fan. So anytime that I can hate on UGA and the Falcons, that's a good day. So I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a twofer. You can't you can't pass that up. i I'm gonna get off of you on your Falcons. I did not mean to uh to rip the uh band aid off the wound again. That, but that's funny. I would have never guessed that all the way out there in uh in California in, in North California that you would be a, a, a diehard Falcons fan. So look that chalk that up to learning something new every day. There you go. There you go. Speaking now, watch this. Speaking of learning something new every day, I saw you were out on a very successful deer hunt this past year. What did you learn, and how did that come together? See how I did that? See I just transition right back in? Uh,
1: you know, it, it absolutely was a learning experience <laughs> in every sense of the, of the of the word because that was not something that I was expecting. That deer hunt was a result of. Uh, the hunting community on Instagram, somebody, uh, one of the, one of the guys, uh, Chris Hall, that I connected with in months past. Chris and I have become friends, you know, and, and, you know, he's just a, (laughs) a generous, like the guy loves to teach. He loves to get people out in the field and expose them to the experience of hunting. He's, He's hunted for years and years and years. And I mean, if you check out his page, Hornstar Outdoors, Horn, H-O-R-N, Star uh, Outdoors. You know, the guys put down beautiful animals year after year after year. And Chris reached out to me and said, you know, hey, I've got, you know, a couple of animals up here on this property near me. I'd love to get to know you. And um, you know, possibly, you know, if it works out, we can go out and you can have an opportunity to get one of the bucks that's out here. So I was blown away. I had no idea... Um, that someone would take me onto a private land spot where he had had cams set up for the whole season. He knew what was going on. He knew how many animals were out there. And he said, let's, you know, let's grab a beer and we'll talk about, you know, what might be possible. So literally the week before the season started, I went out to his place. We, you know, shot you know, shot some arrows and, and, and just talked about, um we just got to know each other, hunting and family. And, uh, you know, he invited me back for the start of season. And so the following weekend, I couldn't make it out on Saturday, but Sunday afternoon was going to be my first opportunity. And
0: um, went
1: up there and, one, was hunting from a ground blind, which I had never done before. Nice. And, two, hunting private land, which I had never done before. Um, and so, you know, we got – out to this spot and got set up and we're just hanging out and it was hot it was uh you know an experience that i i just I, i've always done spot and stock you know we're out here walking around in the forest that's that's how i've been you know the, the prior four years of my learning to hunt experience that's what i had been a, um, accustomed to and he was just like hey we're gonna hang out here and uh they'll be you know they've been through you know they call the cameras off and on so this is the spot where where we're gonna hang out. And so we were there for a couple hours. And you know, just the challenge of, you know, trying to be quiet, trying to stay awake, <laughs> you know, trying to manage the situation. And a little bit before, you know, dusk, you start to hear things moving around around us. And it was the way that the blind was situated, there was, you know, we had two thirds of the windows open. And he said, you know, they've been coming through from our left down through the right, and so that's what we were kind of situated for. And he had, you know, a camera set up in the in the blind with us, and he was shooting some video and stuff. And I'm I'm sitting in the blind on a five gallon bucket. The the way that it had been set up, the chairs that we had didn't really work out, so the bucket kind of gave the best vantage point on a shot. So I'm sitting on this bucket, and directly in front of the blind, I see a very healthy and very just a nice young pork uh buck coming on a string, just running right towards us.
0: Mm.
1: And so my heart starts to pound in my chest, and I'm like, I, you know, I, I just look over, and I'm like, hey, this this buck is coming like right at us. And so he looks over, and he's like, get ready, get ready. And so probably about 35, 40 yards away, the buck just pulls up and he stops. I'm like, what is he doing? And there's kind of a tree on one side of the, the one window that I'm looking out of uh, the front of the blind. And so as I lean to the one side, I can kind of see the tips of his antlers, right? He's, he's in velvet. So all these here are still in velvet. And uh, so I lean the, to, to my right, to the other side, and I look out the other side of the window, and I can just barely see the tip of his tail. And he's just hanging out there. But at this point, I'm at full draw. Oh, wow. And so I'm sitting there. And my heart's pounding, you know, through my chest. I can hear it in my ears, and everything is super, super quiet. Like the whole world just its tunnel vision—and I'm just locked in on this, the front of this blind, making sure that my arrow is clear of the of the wall of the blind, and that I have the ability to take a clean shot. Depending, on, you know, I figure he stops he's maybe you know, nibbling on something there, and he's going to step either forward or turn around and go out, go, go you know, to the other direction. And so I'm waiting, and I'm I'm at full draw for probably a, a minute, maybe a little bit more. And Chris says, "There's another one on the left." Mm. I'm like, so I look to the left. I'm like, "What are you talking about?" He's like, "No, out the left." So the windows on the left side of the blind we had opened up a little bit, and from where he's sitting to my right, he he had a clear shot right out the the window of that blind, and. He had set up camera, but he had also brought his bow. Okay. And he had an opportunity at the animal that was standing. I, I didn't even know it was out there. I had no idea about He very easily could have taken a shot. Um, but I kind of adjust my seat, and I lean forward, and this buck is a mature four-by in velvet, standing between two trees, and he's looking right at. <laughs> and so I'm like, I I don't know if he he is has comprehended what we are, but he's definitely I mean he and he's he's no more than 25 yards away. So I take a deep breath, and as soon as the red pin on my sight was over his shoulder, the closest shoulder to us. As soon as it was over that shoulder, I hit my trigger and let that arrow fly. And he saw it coming. And as he he crouched to load up to 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 jump away, and as he did that, he opened up his chest to us just a little bit, and that arrow went through. Oh, that dude jumped up, and if you look on my Instagram, I think that I think of the video is still up there. He jumps probably. Six, seven feet in the air, and takes off. I mean, the, the, he was he was gone. And I sit back, and I'm like, I know that I hit him. Like you can hear the the arrow hit him. And I look over at Chris. He's like, I don't know. And I'm like, I, well, I know that I hit him. So he pulls up the camera, viewfinder. You, know, you can see, you know, that that scene I just described. You can see the deer reacting. We could see the arrow pass through. But there wasn't a lot of blood. Mm. And so we sat there for a moment and I, you know, calmed down a little bit. And then we went out and he was like, well, let's see if we can find your arrow, see if we can find some sun. And sure enough, you know, we were able to find the arrow. I have it right here in my office. It's uh, it's, it passed through and he had snapped it. So it, you know, it wasn't inside of him. There was some blood on the arrow, but not a ton. And there was some, some, you know, fat residue you can see that had, you know, it, it had passed through some of the, uh, the brisket area on the, on the deer's chest. So like, okay, let's hang out for a minute, let him settle down and we'll, you know, we'll go and, and see what we can, what we can figure out. And so, uh, about 15, 20 minutes pass and you, know, you start to, to walk around, start to find a little bit of blood here a little bit more over there, a little bit more over here. And so I'm piecing together and it's, it's tough because the leaves on the ground are like yellow and gold and brown. And so these little red spots don't just, they don't jump out <laughs> as well as, you know, you would hope. Right. And so we'll start to string together a trail. And so I'm like, okay, so there's, you know, he's definitely bleeding. You can see his, his uh, hoof prints from where you know he dug in and he was he had taken off, and then those prints started to get closer together. So it's like, okay, he's walking now. And about 150 yards in, um, you start to see a little bit bigger blood spots, but not as close together. So it's like, okay, what's going on? So by this point, it's getting dark, and we're using you know our you know, our headlamps and trying to trying to track it. And we get to this point where this brush starts getting real thick, and you're hearing we're hearing the animals move all around us. And Chris says, "What do you want to do?" He's like, "You want to push in?" Do you, you know, I'm like, "I don't know what's back there. If there was more blood, I would yeah, 'Yeah, let's go find him.' But I don't know. Like, this is my first deer, right?" And he says, "Well, I think it would be best to let him, you know, settle down. But it's your call. <clears throat> so we did. We went back." Um, and, and, you know, went up to his his house, which was not too far away, actually. He was on the adjoining property across the road. And um, we hung out there for a bit, and he texted a bunch of people and called a bunch of people and showed them the video clip that he had. And, you know, the consensus was, you know, just based on the amount of blood and, you know, what they saw there. was kind of like, yeah, it's probably best to let him, you know, let him settle in. And uh, Chris was like, what do you want to do? I'm like, I don't want to push and bump him because this is not a big property that long maybe i'm maybe 15
0: 20 acres 30 acres mm-hmm. um so you'll push of narrow. him to the neighbor or something
1: yeah exactly exactly it's kind of a narrow setup so it wouldn't be that hard for him to take off and end up you know two or three properties over and yeah i mean just we wouldn't know and it was, like I said, at that point it was all dark so i went home and but you know, I live about an hour from where Chris lives, and so um, the whole drive there, I'm just replaying everything in my head. Everything's just running on a movie nonstop the whole time that I'm there. Uh, I get home, I take a shower, I tell my wife, she's like, "Okay, so you're going back in the morning? I'm gonna be it." Man, I was up. Is I, I didn't sleep hardly at all that night. I was up <laughs> first thing in the morning, drove so back up, and uh, so I meet up with him. And uh, I used on We actually dropped the pin in the last spot. So I picked up the spot and within 20 yards, there's a lot more blood. And then there's a lot more blood. And then there's a lot. And so another hundred yards around the corner into this little thicket, I come up and, and he's laying there. And so inside of myself, I'm elated. I'm, I'm so happy that we recovered the deer. And then as we get closer to him, we can see that, Coyotes had been feeding on him. And so he was in pretty bad shape already. You know, I mean, there wasn't much left for me to harvest from him, but I was able to get probably, oh, maybe 20 pounds of of meat off, you know, from his neck, a little bit of back strap, part of the shoulder, Mm -hmm. and uh, the uh, the mount actually. So I didn't know it at the time, but with everybody that I knew that I was on that hunt. And a bunch of people from Instagram, uh, Guy, who you had spoken to recently on on your show, um, those folks have been planning on getting my first mountain done for me.
0: Oh, wow. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. I come out of it, Chris was like, hey, everybody's like, I had not been on social media at all. I was so intent on making this hunt successful and just, you know, being in the moment and, sharing that time, you know, with Chris, and just learning as much as I could, I didn't even know what was going on online, I had no idea, but as soon as I turn on, you know, I, oh, I, you know, open up Instagram, and there's, like, all these questions, and comments, and, you know, all these people, like, just, you know, the support was absolutely incredible, and um, to be able to take that, and, like, to see how everybody was reacting to what was my you know first real you know great gear experience i mean like i said i wandered around the woods for four years trying to figure things out and this was by far in a way the closest i had ever come uh to to harvesting an animal especially with a bow i'd only picked up a bow nine months earlier uh and so that was i mean a great way to for me, I mean, I still like I get chills when I think about it. Like, I it feels like yesterday.
0: Oh, yeah, and it
1: definitely got me fired up for you know what might be possible this season. But that is just you know tremendous. Um, Ted, Ted, uh, Pitt McQueen, he's a he's down in Southern California, he does uh, Euro mounts. He actually said that he would do it my first mount for free. So I still, I'm waiting. Ted, I, I know what we have to with the COVID situation, I haven't been able to get down there and and, and pick that up, but. My wife had said, you know, she supported me learning to hunt, but she had said, we are not decorating with dead animals.
0: <laughs> <And>
1: <laughs> when I told her about everything that had happened and the fact that the community had said, we're going to get this done for you. And then Ted said, I will donate them out. I told her, I'm like, I can't say no to this. Right. And she's like, okay, because it's your first one, we'll go ahead and, and you, you can keep this one. And it honestly... In California, like it's doe tags are real hard to come by. I know in some areas it's a lot. I mean, like I was talking to Amy, uh, Amy Hall over in Tennessee, and their their quotas are ridiculous. Like you, you can pick up as many does as you want, almost.
0: We get and, we, we get ten does and two bucks here in Georgia.
1: See, that's just, that's just mind blowing. So <laughs> to me, I'm not about. I'm not a horn hunter, right? I'm right. not a horn hunter. A deer is a deer to me, and. But I am grateful because I mean this 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 buck I mean he's a beautiful four by in velvet, and like for me to have one representation of my hunting experience and for that to be it as opposed to you know a little fork or you know whatever, I mean not that there's anything wrong, I'm just really grateful that dude
0: you know, my your, your back first deer, deer is a mature mule deer in velvet, I mean. It, yeah, that's gonna be hard to top i mean it's like that and then everything else is going to slide under that unless you kill like a 200 inch whitetail or or a right. bigger muley or something like that like I, i've been sitting here just watching this video while you were talking and i mean the way that you hit this this mule deer and the way he jumped so i mean i It almost looks like you hit him in the heart. The way that he jumped, like I mean, just from the video that you know that you posted, like you said on your Instagram, I mean, you you got him. You smoked him, and I mean, he jumped. God, at least two, three feet in the air. Yeah. Jesus, dude, man, that's 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 awesome. And and, I mean, and that's just it, right? I
1: mean, like for me, I I couldn't believe like the culmination of you know, trying to learn to hunt, you know, and when we spoke, you know, the first time you had me on, that was really where I would just, I was I started the Instagram page, the, the hunting student page, because I was trying to leverage the experience of other people who are more familiar with hunting out here in the West, hunting in California. You don't see a ton of information highlighted that showcases that experience. Right. And so, that was my goal, was like, okay, so if I'm trying to do this, I know that there's got to be other people out here trying to do it, because I see, like, I, I drive down the down the highway here, I see, you know, elk hunter, you know, bumper stickers, and elk hunter, you know, deer hunter, buck hunter, like, all these license plates, and all these, like, so I know that the people are here, but I was not connected to them, and Instagram absolutely changed that for me. It was uh, a great way to get plugged into the local community, and learn a lot, and then the opportunity that Chris afforded me and then the generosity of, of folks uh, like yourself and like Guy and so many others. Um, and then the really cool thing too is to be able to see other guys that I met like right when I joined Instagram, like uh, Alan Yates and like Cliff Cadet, where we were all just trying to like pick up a bow and go shoot a target and have some fun and figure out how to make our own way. First of being you know, totally... Different parts of the country. Allen's up in Chicago, Cliff's out in New York, and we're all kind of jumping into the journey at the same time. And to see the success that those guys are having right now, um, it's been a tremendous adventure.
0: Yeah, no you you can't you can't do anything but be excited for y'all. Like it is, it, it's truly amazing. And you know that, like you say, that shot, that whole day, like everything about it is going to replay in your mind for years to come and the fact that you got it on video i mean like i got one of my deer shots on um on video and every so often i'll go back and just look at it like and i remember everything about that day and it it, i mean it's just amazing it's the only word that i keep coming back to and that that's why we we do it, and, it you know, it gets you excited. And, you know, like you say, now you're looking forward to your next one. You're looking forward to the next season and your next opportunity. So, it's like you got one, and then now you can continue to build on it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. It, it has been amazing. And, um, you know, I get it. Like, I get why people are drawn to it. And it's been an interesting <laughs> – experience too with you know the the information in the news about you know what might happen to you know the meat processing plants and the and the impact of the the pandemic on that situation and have friends that before looked at me like i was crazy look at me and go oh so you're still gonna be able to get meat though right you know it's uh yeah it's like oh so not so crazy now, huh? Wanting
0: to learn to hunt. Right. Um, sing singing a different tune. You know, everybody, like you said, unfortunately, you know, your harvest got chewed up by yotes, but, you know, you come back with a full deer, and I guarantee you, you will have new friends and people that you have never heard of that all of a sudden want deer meat or deer sausage or want something. It's just like, where was y'all at before? Like, you know, just like, yeah. how you, just like how you say, you know, just like, oh, it, this ain't, this ain't so bad now, is it? This ain't, so how sure. can you do that to the poor animal? Yeah. You don't remember that when now you got your hand out. So. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that was a great, a great way to, you know, I mean, that deer experience is absolutely life changing. I'll, I'll forever be grateful
0: for that. So And, um, and, Go ahead. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, I was gonna say, and then you know, um, on the on the at the kickoff of, of this year, 2020, January, I was actually able to go out to uh, to Arkansas and spend some some time with Jonathan Wilkins over there at Black Duck Revival, and had a great time hanging out with him at his place and getting out after some some geese and some ducks and yep. just learning about. The culture down there and the experience of of waterfowl uh, in Arkansas. My grandfather on my dad's side is actually born in Arkansas, and I had never been out that way. So.
0: Oh wow! Um, so then that that yeah, was definitely that was, a great trip. Then.
1: It it really I mean it did I felt the connection to the place.
0: Hold wait, hold hold that thought before you go into that. Yeah. I got one. I got one more thing on the deer hunt because when i had guy on a couple weeks ago from uh western contours uh podcast you know we were talking about you know western hunting and hunting down south and stuff and you know he wants to get out and spot and stalk and sitting in a blind is boring sitting in a tree stand is boring how did you feel about sitting in a blind instead of going out you know hoofing it around or whatever so
1: it, it was interesting because it was just different. Like I knew that right. people, I know a lot, that's what they do. That's what they're used to. And for me, it was just a new thing. It was a new, another element to what hunting could be. And I think, um, I mean, because, I mean, again, my mentality is I'm a, I'm trying to be a student of this experience. Right. Uh, I don't assume to know everything. I don't assume to know more than you know, than anyone I'm just trying to figure out you know why people do what they do how they do it what 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 drives them to do it and at the end of the day I'm really connected to the food element of the whole situation right so sitting in a sitting in a i knew how much work chris had put into picking that spot i see animals all the time when I go backpacking i've seen, seen them for years and years and years i mean literally they are turkey that walk across the street from my house all the time there are deer like within five minutes of my place that you see, you know, on the road, next to the road, feeding in people's yards. I know that it's not easy to get into a position to harvest in an him. So the technique, I say, go with what works for you. I mean, honestly, if you're up in a tree, if you're in a box or if you're, you know, you're out, you know, hiking the, the canyons and the, in the hills, um, I think my preference still is to put some miles on. Yeah. I, I just love being out in the woods. I love looking for sign. I love the movement. I love having to pay attention to the to the wind and all that. Like that's in my heart. What kind of that experience is what got me started in trying to figure out how to do this. So I still have that on my list of things to do to to go and spot and stalk a deer on my you know on public land. That's still very much at the core of what I want to accomplish as a hunter. No doubt. But I don't I don't begrudge anybody. I mean to me like the idea of being up in a tree when it's, you know, negative five. I mean totally <laughs> I don't know how to do it. You know, that experience that just blows my mind. I to sit up there and to to stay awake and to be aware and to be in the right spot at the right time. I mean there's a lot of work that goes into that stuff. So I respect anybody who who gets out and gets after it.
0: Yeah, as as the person who has sat in the tree in Wisconsin during the minus five, it, it, it's definitely a different uh, mental mental capacity to want to do that. But no, I was just curious because, you know, I'm like you, you know, whatever works, obviously, you know, you whatever you're comfortable with and whatever you are successful with, you know, I'm like you. I don't begrudge anybody, but I... I am very fascinated by the mentality like out West where, you know, you guys do more spot and stalk and because of the terrain and stuff that you guys have out there, just that different style. Like I said, I'm, I'm I'm fascinated by it. So I was just curious, you know, actually after you, you know, sat in the blind and, and actually killed from a blind, just what your, your thought process or what your thoughts about that was.
1: Yeah. It's, It is, is, I think you you hit it on the head with, you know, it's a different mindset. It's a grind, just like, I mean, hiking's a grind. I love the convenience of being able to pull a truck up within, you know, a couple hundred yards and walk out to to the blind and, and, and sit. But sitting for that long and paying attention and being aware and staying focused and, you know, not having, you know, not being on your phone or taking a nap. I mean, there's different there is a different mental strength that, that, that does than that. I, I don't know that I would choose to do it all the time. Right. For me. I, I, I mean, like I said, I love, I, I mean, before I was hunting, I was backpacking and hiking and I just love being out in the country. And I love when you do notice animal sign and you are able to, pick up a trail and follow that somewhere and for it to oh look there's the animal that I that I've been following for the last you know 300 400 yards or a mile or more whatever it ends up being right so uh, for me that is what kind of gets me fired up and what I really that's the area of my experience I'm really trying to develop that skill set and you know I want that I want that really badly but again, i yeah, I'm grateful, I'm just grateful for everything that's happened and and you know can't can't say enough um you know, I never thought um that that would be the way that I'd feel my first year, so you know if you're if you're open to it, like anything's possible, i guess is is what it boils down to
0: right, yes, definitely that if if nothing else, Kevin Garnett taught us that that anything is definitely possible, so that uh, I uh that's something that i i always hold on to from that uh that uh that video from when they won the championship with the Celtics that year and they just asked him how like, like how how does it feel it's like anything's possible anything's possible yeah. like, and, and that's that's <laughs> it man i mean and it, it goes the same thing with hunting or just about anything in life you know if you you know, set your mind to it and are open-minded about different things, the way that you can accomplish stuff, man, anything's possible.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, it's, it's a journey that you just, you think, you know, and you you have a certain idea about, about what's going to happen and how it's going to happen. And you know, you just, if you're open to learning, then I mean, it just carries you that much further. If you, you, if you shut it down and think, Oh no, it has to be this way. And this is what I'm prepared for. And, uh, it doesn't meet your expectations. I think, you know, you just setting yourself up for disappointment in the long run.
0: Right. Right. When you're, when you limit yourself like that. So, so coming off of a successful deer hunt, you took a trek to Arkansas. I saw the pictures. I saw where you were like picking out waiters and, you know, just going through all of the exciting things of, you know, getting the stuff that you need and, and, uh, for you know that hunt or whatever so and I was supposed to be down there I couldn't make it because of my schedule like I actually got to go down there the week before everything and experience you know being in that area that he has down there or the area that he hunts down there and then and the setup that he got and it's first class I mean he does a wonderful job I hate that I missed the the summit I had crystal eggly on a couple of weeks ago and she talked about it so hopefully if it happens again i will get a chance to to participate but you were there you participated what did you take away from that and how you know was it just being there because that was your first waterfowl hunt right
1: yeah absolutely it was and uh it was it was absolutely amazing. Like you said, I mean, Jonathan, he's just a he's a class dude. He's a he's a great host. His hospitality is unmatched. And I remember, I mean, I heard about him on your show and started following him because that guy the things that run through his mind as he's preparing for an experience. I mean, the history, the wildlife. Um, from the animals that are in the area and what they're doing the plant life and you know where it's growing and you know how it's been affected by the weather and all these different things like he's just a wealth of curiosity that has created this storage you know of of knowledge that just on any topic like you just get into it with him. i mean he's just an amazing person so i'm very grateful that we were able to get you know i was able to take that time and and go out to Arkansas and spend it with him and with Crystal and uh, Courtney with uh, Hunt, uh, Hunt to Eat uh, was part of the group that was there with us. And I think one of the things that I took away from the experience was that a hunter can be anybody. Um, in addition to the group that was there for the summit, we met a lot of the locals that, you know, guys that Johnson in touch with and, brent reeves the grizzly hunter magazine was you know, shooting some video for him and uh, one of the local biologists that's i mean so many different people and they all have like this love for hunting and the stories couldn't be more diverse couldn't be more different and it was just absolutely incredible i mean there there was an opportunity to go out after after geese and we we did that for a couple of days we spent some time in the flooded timber which is absolutely beautiful i'd never seen anything like it outside of the movies um so to be you know in a boat uh we almost sunk a boat actually <laughs> we put the plug in didn't, go, didn't put the plug in started to pull away and realized we were taking on water pretty quickly so fortunately we made it back where we get the plug in uh before it sunk the bottom uh, of that flooded timber but
0: uh, oh my goodness um
1: yeah yeah it was it was an amazing amazing experience if you you know if your listeners have an opportunity to to look up you know jonathan's uh lodge there and 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 book a trip with him he's uh he's a he's a class act for sure
0: now when you went through and was picking out like your waiters and and whatnot what did you decide on what did you end up going with
1: so I yeah I, I I mean I asked Johnson about his experience, um, and I have a couple of buddies here in California that actually that have done some waterfowl hunting as well, and so I found um, a set of frog togs that I went ahead and, and went with, and largely because it was right at the right price point for me. Sure. Um, I was I was sure you know i wasn't ready to spend you know a thousand dollars on a set of waiters um but for three hundred dollars i got a pair that i think are going to help me you know get out and and have some fun for for several seasons and so what i did for me was i looked at the different styles I, i read a ton of reviews and you know from a lot of different places and just looked at features and functionality you know, with regard to, you know, how they were constructed, um, things that I know about myself as far as, you know, fit and feel and, you know, like my, my I, I tend to run warm. So I didn't want something that wasn't going to be breathable. I didn't want to be, you know, uncomfortable because uh, of, of leakage. So I was willing to spend a little bit more because you can get into waiters for like 150 bucks, but you know, a lot of the, a lot of the reviews that, you know, I read, you know, people are saying, well, this only lasts me two seasons mm. and, and, you know, was to have something that I, you know, would be able, wouldn't have to think about maybe if I, you know, if I only go water balancing once or twice a season, you know, for the next 10 years, I'm expecting that these, you know, this, this setup's going to be with me for at least that long. So it was a lot of just, you know, figuring out where you're going to be, like standing in water, right? you know, but how, you know, and I was anticipating, like, I'm, I'm picturing, like, standing out there up to my waist, like, you know, in freezing cold water. It actually ended up being only about high, um, But I was prepared for that. You know, I, I, I think the um, the one thing that I wasn't really sure about was the um, camel pattern. I tried to find something that was a good mix of what I've seen here in California, which tends to be more Delta-oriented, where, you know, there's a lot more grass and cattails and that sort of thing. And then, you know, the, where we were going to be there in, in Arkansas, um, the tree patterns, you know, that the mossy oak type pattern and right. um, something a that little that more. That
0: flooded timber, timber like, kind of.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yep. So I tried to find something a little bit in between uh, both of those and, you know, use that and figured you know, if, if a duck sees me and I, I can't shoot it fast enough, then it deserves to
0: live. <laughs> did you already have your own shotgun or did you have to borrow or?
1: Yeah, no, so I did, I have a, a Versamax, uh, Remington Versamax Sportsman, and I, I picked it up because I had originally intended to use it as a turkey gun, and um, it is a, uh, a great, very, I mean, rock solid, I mean, you can cycle, like, four different sizes of shells through the thing, and I was able to buy an extended uh, duck barrel, so it comes with, like, a I think it's a 24-, 26-inch barrel, And I bought a duck barrel for it at uh, at 30 inches to give me that
0: little extra reach. And so I was able to swap that. Nice, nice. Now, the other thing about that whole experience, too, you got put on to the raccoon. Am I correct? Oh, man. (laughs) I I don't understand you people, man. Y'all, like, I have... Not come in contact with anyone this last year that has not endorsed or put over the pulled raccoon or the barbecue raccoon. I, I just, I know people Man. say it's like, well, you don't knock it till you try it, but it's just like, I don't know. But I, I'm very curious to hear your experience with, with the raccoon.
1: So John, John gave us a heads up. He told us that this was going to be on the menu. He had the thing. I uh, <laughs> you know, ready to go. When we got to the lodge, he said, you know, we're gonna at one point, you know, one of these nights, we're going to have this raccoon that I, that I've got ready. And honestly, I was, I was a little squeamish on it. Right. I'm like, you know, they kind of have like people hands,
0: exactly. So kinda,
1: it, you know, anything like you know primates, the things like
0: opposable thumbs. Like to me, that's just kind of a I don't know, <laughs> kind of a line for me. Uh, you said opposable thumbs, <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. I mean you you don't you don't have to sell me on the qualities of why yeah. not to eat it. Like, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I'm following you.
1: So I I was. I'm in in Arkansas for the first time. I'm hunting waterfowl for the first time. I'm with a bunch of people I've just met and having a great time. And that set the stage for the braised raccoon experience. And I tell you what, it is flat out absolutely delicious. I know it was a raccoon because I saw it in the pan. I helped the carrot. We pulled it apart. I mean, it was it is like the most tender pot roast you've ever had in your life. It is so good.
0: I, I would. I was going to ask, what was the texture like? What what was the taste yeah. in your mind? Like, did it taste like anything normal? Did it have its yeah. own flavor or?
1: It has its own flavor. To me, it has its own flavor. I mean, it tastes. I, I can't even tell you. It's it's kind of like it's kind of like beef. Um, like when you think about a pot roast, like it's kind of got that texture, but I think it's a little more, a little more oily, um, maybe, but not like greasy. It's not, it wasn't like a, it's just tender, soft, melt in your mouth deliciousness. It is absolutely something I would do again.
0: Okay. Can you, could, could <laughs> you, <laughs> if you had to could you prepare it yourself like are you are you comfortable or confident enough to uh to prepare it yourself
1: uh i would definitely refer to a cookbook in in the preparation but i would yeah i wouldn't hesitate like if someone if i was if i had an opportunity at one out here or someone get gave me one oh yeah i i think i would definitely you know i put it in the roasting pan Maybe put it on the smoker for a little bit and uh, let that thing go slow and and low and uh, we'd have a we'd have some tacos or something out of it. It'd be, it's good eating, man.
0: <laughs> okay, I mean I'm I'm gonna I'm take your word for it. You know, I escaped Arkansas uh, this past year without getting into the raccoon. I plan I plan I, I to go back. So who knows? Maybe Jonathan, if you're listening, you can have the the uh the braised and or pulled raccoon on deck. Maybe you can you can slide it past me. I, I I don't know. I almost feel like I would want it to be one of those, hey, try this and then yeah. be like, Oh, well yeah, see, that's the raccoon that you were so down on. But my my like, my guard would be up. Like, I, I'd be on guard, like, for the whole time yeah. and just be like, what's that? Mm, what's that? Where did that come from? Like, you know what I mean? So, I don't know if he would <laughs> be able to slide it by me. But, hey, uh, it, it's.
1: I'm it's, telling you, Adam, if he put out a table, if John put out a table and, you you know, it's like, hey, here's a little bit of catfish, here's a little bit of duck, here's a little bit of venison, here's some, here's some hogs. And this over here is Raccoon. Like, if you didn't know what was what, like, if you walked up and you just saw everything out on a spread, if you tasted Raccoon, you wouldn't think twice about it. You'd be like, let me get more of that.
0: Feed me more.
1: Give me more. We <laughs> crushed it. And Crystal went back the next day. She was making sandwiches out of it. I mean, she couldn't get enough of it. She was down. And that was an experience for her because she – I mean, you know Crystal. She is
0: something else. Yeah, she, she, her. The way that she put it over, it it was kind of funny because she was kind of like, "Uh, I'm not sure about this." And then, like you said, like the next day, she's like taking like to-go sandwiches. Like she was all about. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It is. It is. uh, Yeah.
1: It is as good as any meat you can put on the table. And if you didn't know. You wouldn't think twice about it. You'd be going back for seconds and thirds. and I guarantee
0: it. Okay. um, Like I said, one of these days, maybe I'll muster up the courage to uh, to try, and then I could join the club and then come back and be like, you know what, you guys were right. This is the best thing since sliced bread. Or I can be like, you know what, I knew this was going to taste like crap, and no, this is not for me. But <laughs> it's gonna go either way there's no like i don't there's no like in between there's no middle ground it's either like oh okay i see what all the fuss is about or no i was right this there's no way in hell that this can work so it, it it'll be either way but um you know I we'll hope see i'm
1: it.
0: there I hope I'm there when you take- <laughs> what let me ask you this and then i'm gonna get you out of here what, what do you have coming up when things resume? Hopefully we get back to some sort of normalcy. Obviously, you got mule deer coming up. Any other big plans or big hunts or things that you are looking forward to this upcoming season? Or is there anything that you got planned with your hunting student brand? Like what's next for you?
1: Yeah, so hunting wise, I have a few things. So locally I, I I still wanna get one of these these hogs that 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 run around out here. Missing out on that hunt earlier in the year is kind of, you know, that's still in the back of my mind. I, I wanna get out and make that happen. Getting ready for deer season, obviously I, I've actually just started trying to get my fitness back up just because the quarantine fifteen has definitely attacked my midsection. And I'm feeling <laughs> a little slower than I like to be. Um, So trying to get my fitness levels back up because I know once I'm up at altitude that I'm going to be sucking wind. So trying to make up some ground on that. But I also have an invitation to join a a buddy of mine out in Wyoming. Um, So we're trying to make that happen. Getting out there uh, with uh, a deer and and pronghorn uh, hunt. So that's just going to be, you know, we'll have to wait and see if that's going to happen. So hopefully September, October, we'll be able to go out and, and get after those, uh, those speed goats and bring home some meat for the freezer that way. As far as the hunting student goes, uh, 2020, I, I kind of stepped back. So coming back from Arkansas, um, it really made me evaluate kind of, you know, from a branding perspective, you know, what I wanted to tackle next, because the goal of, you know, the, the page really was to connect people to experiences, help them get their feet on the ground, help put them in touch with, um you know the tools and and gear and 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 folks that would be able to help you know other people who are out there trying to learn to hunt trying to enjoy the outdoors in that way um but also you know other outdoor experiences as well you know whatever you know people you know wherever it is get outside enjoy the public land space enjoy you know the private land space however you want to get out there you know that's what my initial intent was and um Coming back from Arkansas, one thing that I just kept coming back to was that the differences, all the differences, you know, of, of everybody that I met, all the different backgrounds, all the different stories, the hunting heritages, heritages of those people that I had met up met in Arkansas. Um, one thing we kept coming back to was our love for sharing the meal with those that, you know, that, that were either, you know, part of the experience with us or, you know, our families, you know, as we as we come back and, and make you know, turn that experience into something tangible for them, and so that's really what I've been moving over, is how to uh, bridge that gap, and I have a couple of ideas, some things that I'd like to try, maybe leveraging some of the, you know, the connections that I've made with some of the outfitters that are here, but I think there's a great opportunity to take um, the idea that we all eat, and we all love to eat well, and the hunting and fishing and the outdoors just gives us the very best opportunities to, to do things that, you know, matter. And, um, you know, it's just meaningful. And and so that's what I'm trying to explore uh, from a branding perspective right now is how to create connections that facilitate those experiences for people who maybe uh, are on the fence or, you know, like myself, you know, they've been at it for a little while and, and haven't maybe had the success that they were hoping for. So, um, working on a few things hopefully later on this year we'll be able to start um putting those out and uh getting getting the platform ready to uh share that with
0: everybody awesome awesome brandon i always enjoy talking to you i appreciate like i said earlier you taking the time man congratulations on that deer congratulations on getting your first wild waterfowl hunts up under your uh up under your belt man and you know best of luck and everything to you coming up this hunting season brother i'm very excited to see what's next for you and very happy that you've had the experiences that you've had so far
1: i i appreciate it adam it's always good to talk to you and i you know absolutely uh just honored to be a part of what you're doing at bryant land um the voices that you know i get to be included with is it's a pretty cool, uh, you, you know, pretty cool stable company to be associated with. So, um, yeah, I, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And, uh, you know, I hope that you and yours are, are safe and, and healthy and, uh, ready to get after you know, the rest of the, of the hunting season.
0: Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm ready. Like I, I am Jones and I, um, you know, one thing about quarantine is I've been able to shoot my bow pretty much every day. Not, you know, not being on the road, Uh, so I, I am, I am ready to get after it. I got a couple of things that I'm, you know, kind of working on that I want to kind of push myself to do, but man, I, September 14th, which is opening day for whitetail season here in Georgia is is circled and it is a bullseye that is on my radar. So I'm looking forward to it. Brandon, let people know where they can find your stuff, man. Like, you know, your website, your instagram all that good stuff
1: yeah so on instagram at the hunting student and online at the hunting student.com um like the, the the website you know like i said trying to stage some things to get that ready to go um you know the merch kind of backed away from that it was getting a little crazy some of the things people uh were expecting so yeah you know did some giveaways and things last year that that were really exciting and, and happy to do that but Uh, the Instagram is, uh, my primary focus right now, just in, you know, telling stories, getting people connected, answering questions where I can, and really just, you know, meeting great people who, uh, love to get out and get after
0: it. Man, that's awesome. Brandon, like I said, I'm going to get you out of here. Enjoy the rest of your evening. Thank you again. And then we'll definitely catch up. Sounds good. Thanks so much. Thank you. Man, once again, thank you to Brandon Goodwin for taking the time coming through on the Bryant Land Show, blessing us with his presence. I hope you guys enjoyed that interview as much as I enjoyed talking to him. Great time with that guy. Always will make time for him. He is doing wonderful things out here in the outdoors. Before I get ready to get up on out of here, I just want to remind you guys again that bryantlandcountry.com is the website. One-stop shopping for everything Bryantland. We got merch, we got media, we got podcasts. We even have a link to our Patreon account where you can go make a small donation of a paper nickel and open an oasis of bonus content from the Bryantland Show. When you get a chance, go check out bryantlandcountry.com thank you once again for coming through making the download making the listen sharing giving us feedback all of that we appreciate it thank you for your continued support of the bryantland show like i said i'm gonna get ready to get on up out of here you guys have a great week welcome to june and come back for another episode next week of the bryantland show